0: Hallelujah.
1: So it's good to be back, good to be preaching. We, you know, we were doing a water baptism in a few weeks, and so we thought it would be a good idea to spend uh, some time in the morning service explaining the importance and the significance of water baptism. If you don't understand the meaning of New Testament water baptism, yeah. uh, or are a little confused about it, you're not alone. Because there's a, there's the word baptism is used throughout the church, and... Um, this is we want to explain the difference between infant baptism, start off, infant baptism versus New Testament water baptism. Am I a little loud? It seems like I'm... Um, no, you're no? fine. Okay, all right, maybe it's these, these behind me that are echoing. But the New Testament water baptism is about being fully immersed in water. But that's really what the meaning of the Greek word uh, baptism in the Greek means Fully immersed, Right. so you go under, like fully dipped. It's not a sprinkling, it's a full immersion. And uh, this is where I think the confusion comes in when the church starts to talk about water baptism. I don't know about you, but I was water baptized, they called it as a baby, but it was a sprinkling. It wasn't a full immersion. And many church denominations sprinkle mm-hmm. infants for water baptism, with the belief, as part of their doctrine, um, that it's the removal of original sin. This is what the basics are, without getting too specific about it. But uh, that sprinkling is a removal of the original sin, which came from Adam, which we all have, by the way. Yep. We all come into the world with what you could call original sin, you know, with a fallen nature. And so their belief is, when I sprinkle this baby with water, it's removing that original sin from them. Now, there's no harm in sprinkling a baby with water, of course, unless you dunk them too deep to <laughs> do something. But, but here's the problem with that doctrine and belief it's not, for, number one, taught anywhere in the New Testament. That's right. You do not see baby infant baptism anywhere in the New Testament. And if a parent believes that when that child is sprinkled with water, that their original sin is removed from their life. It's a kind of salvation experience. Yeah. They're no longer sin. They're one with God. They belong to God's family. If they believe that, that, and that if they die, they say they're an adult, but they never really follow Christ. But they they pass on early in life, but they never really do anything to follow Christ. Heaven is not their home. Right. And I think this is the danger of believing that infant baptism is all that I need. Like, if I've been baptized as a baby, then that means my eternal security is there. And that's really not what the Bible teaches. Uh, Like I said, it's not taught anywhere in the New Testament. And this is the reason why we do child dedication. Right. Jesus was dedicated on the eighth day. You know, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to be dedicated, not water baptized. Um, And so the New Testament teaches... A full immersion in water upon a person's confession and belief in their need for a savior. And so over the years, people have asked us as we teach on water baptism, Well, I was water baptized, do I need to be rebaptized as an adult by full immersion? And our answer is always, Yes, you do. Unless you had some kind of miraculous experience as a child and you actually spoke when they sprinkled you and said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God. That didn't happen for any of us. We know that, right? Right. And so we're baptizing people in the next couple of weeks. And if you have not been baptized, you've been thinking about it, we encourage you to take that step of faith in obedience to Christ. It is an expectation in the Bible that when we are saved, we would be water baptized. We're just going to take a look at some of the reasons for that today. And one of the primary things with water baptism is a symbol of our salvation in Christ. All right? That he died on the cross for me. He identified with me in my sin. He was buried, went into the grave. I mean, the songs that we sang this morning were just so helpful to understand this picture. It was my sin, your sin, that put him there. He was buried and put into the grave. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit on the third day, once we were justified, once every penalty for our sin was paid, then he rose from the grave into newness of life, into immortality.
0: Hallelujah. And
1: that's the life that we're given. And that's why when we get water baptized, we're believing we're doing the same thing. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dying to sin in my old nature, my old sin nature, when I go under the water and then when I'm raised up out of the water. My belief, it's symbolic, but my belief is yes. a supernatural experience by faith that I will live by the power of Christ going forward. Hallelujah. And so it's not just some ritual, oh, do I have to do it? You get to do it.
0: Right. It's really how we do it.
1: <laughs> I mean, water baptism can be a miraculous experience. That is true. Your decision to be water baptized can really be spiritually profound. I remember years ago, there was a man... When he, he was water baptized, he, he got saved. And when he got saved, he was struggling with a long-term mm-hmm. addiction to alcohol. And then he went on to be water baptized. And his testimony was, when I, knew, when I went into the water, when I came up, he said, I could tell I felt it. The desire to drink, to have any more alcohol. He said, I felt like the addiction just flew away from me. Yes. And he walked free. He never drank. I mean, that's 20 years ago. 20 He's years ago. He's still sober and, yeah. and walking with God.
0: And, and I s- promise not to hold you down too long.
1: Yeah, right.
0: In case yeah. you really do need it. You want a real supernatural <laughs> visit Jesus early. Yeah. I had a vision. Yeah.
1: So you want to come in faith when you're water baptized. Again, we're, we want this little message here this morning to encourage your faith to rise up and go,
0: oh, I see. Yeah, to, to bring it an understanding of what you're doing because spiritually it did happen if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It, it is you died and now that's why he's called it born again. You're born again. That's the necessary thing for everybody who walks this planet because you and I, like Pastor Mamie says, are born in this original sin from Adam. And the only way to get rid of that is through Jesus Christ. So where did this water baptism all start? You know, it started in the New Testament with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he did not start a denomination. This is just what they called him, John the Baptist. (laughs) You know, he was the forerunner prophet to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And having uh, being immersed in water was not something that was unfamiliar with the Jewish culture because they would do that for purification and then if somebody converted to Judaism they would also do it so uh, but actually John the Baptist's immersion his call for water baptism was completely different from that because his his well, let me give you a little bit of background on John the Baptist about how miraculous that man was brought into the world He was uh, born of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and they were old in their age, and not like Sarah and Abraham at 199, but they were past the age of childbearing. Uh, She was barren all her life. And Zechariah was a priest, and he was in the temple doing his priestly duties, and an angel named Gabriel appeared to him. And he was telling him about, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. He's going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. <clears throat> but uh, Zechariah answered in totally unbelieving what the angel would say. Now, I would imagine if an angel appeared to you and manifested it right in front of you, you'd probably listen to what he had to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because here's the key. If we listen to what he said, what happened to Zechariah won't happen to us. Because of his unbelief, the angel says, you won't be able to talk until after the baby's born. (laughs) And sure enough, he he couldn't talk. Ladies, you probably would like this. Your husband can't talk for nine months. (laughs) So Zechariah was actually, that was something that was miraculous that kept him from preventing the birth of his son because your words have power. Your words have power. And and we'll get into that sometime because it's very important what you say. It's very important what you say. Amen? But uh, Zechariah then uh, became a believer <laughs> because now he was dumb and he couldn't talk. His wife got pregnant and here they are. Eight days after the birth, they're going back into the temple to dedicate their child and circumcise. Him. And what happens is that when they they've kind of fuddled around uh, by his name and they ask, what is his name? And Elizabeth goes, his name's John. And they were trying to fuss around and say, nobody in your family's named that. So they were almost kind of trying to tell her what to name that child. And then Zacharias, they said, "Here's a writing paper telling what it is." But then his mouth was open, and he said, "His name is John." And then he prophesied. And uh, this is going to be—we're going to go to Luke chapter one. We're going to be in Luke chapter three, two, also. I mean, and uh, Luke. This is this is after there was quite a bit of a prophecy that he gave concerning his son's ministry and what he was called to do and in verse 74 through 77 i just picked up parts of what he he said and he goes back that he says that god is fulfilling the prophecy and the promises that he's made about sending a savior and he says here in verse 74 to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve Him, God the Father, without fear. Serve Him in holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days. And He speaks now, prophesying over His child. A new child will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His way. Verse 77, really important. To give His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. When it was time for John to have his ministry, as you well know, that he was in the desert part and he had a uh, camel's hair, he wore camel's hair. That was significant because that was a sign of a prophet in that ancient time. And he, (laughs) I don't recommend this, he locusts and wild honey. (laughs) I can go for the honey part, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, Mary Brewer could talk me into having a chocolate-covered one, I guess. <laughs> but he, his his baptism, he called people for the baptism of repentance, repentance from sin. And that was a way to prepare people's hearts spiritually for the good news that Jesus Christ was going to be bringing. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, if you're fast, turn there, but if not, hold your finger in Luke. <laughs> And it says here in Mark chapter 1, it says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism, obligating repentance, a change of one's mind for the better, heartily amending one's ways with the abhorrence of past sins in order to obtain the forgiveness and the release from sin. Now, repentance isn't just simply a change of mind, as this this scripture clearly states it is a change of mind, but there's a lot more to it as we read right here. Many people like to preach that it's just simply a change of mind, you've repented to change your mind. well that you know if you're if you're going over the same thing and you say, "Oh god i'm sorry i i I did this uh you know." Uh, yeah, or to a spouse, or to a loved one, but then you keep doing the same thing. You know what? That's not forgiveness. That's not repenting. What does it say here? Amending one's way, Abhorrence or hating his past sin. That's it. You know, when we when we're convicted, this is really good. Conviction is very good for us. You're no, you are. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yeah. There's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation, but the devil would like to sit on your shoulder and tell you you're condemned. We've got to discern the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is very good. I want to be convicted. I want to be convicted if I'm doing something that's wrong and maybe I don't know. I want that conviction the Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. He'll convict you on in the inside. Yeah. We want to walk in freedom, amen? Right. Right. All the time. We want right. to walk in the freedom. And if you read that scripture once again, that means you're really making a point. Your lifestyle changes. Amen. That's yeah. true repentance. That's repentance. Yeah, It's it, like saying... Go finished, ahead. I just, yeah, go just, ahead. I and, can keep
1: know. going. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, When conviction comes, it's the Holy Spirit showing you something specifically. And yeah. that's, that is good. Without that, we just keep going along our way thinking everything's fine. And meanwhile, God's going, it's not fine. Like you're walking more and more in bondage. Maybe you're walking more into hurtful reactions and just sinful things that we do in our life. And so repentance comes. Repentance is actually a supernatural experience yes. from God. It's the power of God working on a human heart to turn towards him, to go, I see this in my life. Mm. I don't want this in my life. And I'm turning from it. I'm going a different, That's what, yeah. that was that turn. Like I'm turning from going this way, walking in the sin. I'm turning and going the opposite direction Amen. with the help of God to help us walk in that freedom. So real heart repentance happens when God shows you something about your life—the sin in your life, how it's damaging others, it's right. hurting others—and when He opens your eyes to it, your eyes in real repentance—you don't—you no longer want to hide it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It takes some humility, doesn't it? Come on. Otherwise, we just pretend it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It really isn't there. Let's quit talking about it. We make excuses for. For it, well, if you understood how I, whatever, anything, my past, how I grew up, you'd understand why I keep reacting this way. It's hard. You don't understand me. I'm human. Everybody makes mistakes, right? We call everything just a mistake, and we want to just kind of overlook it. Come on now. Or we say, okay, if I did something wrong, (laughs) then I'm sorry.
0: Men, you know that doesn't work.
1: That big if at the front just says you don't understand that I did something wrong. It's just take away the if and just say I did do something wrong. Yes. I'm sorry. And so godly repentance, what John the Baptist was wanting the people to see is to actually see their sin. And he preached a really strong message. Come on. You know, and then takes humility to respond. But when you do respond, you go, I see. What I'm doing, we don't try to hide it, pretend that mm-hmm. let's make excuses for it. It opens the door for forgiveness. Amen. This is the beauty of it. The devil like this, like, don't go there, don't go there. It's going to be worse if you admit it, right? Yeah. God says if you walk in the light, as He's in the light, there we are. You're going to have more. You're going to have His power, and so forgiveness comes. The power to change comes because this is why we often don't want to admit it. It's like I don't, I can't, I can't change. I keep doing this, but. The power of God helps us to change when we admit our sin to God. And this is so important to understand that God wants to help us make the lifestyle changes uh, that he's asking for. And so, like you say, with conviction comes this desire then. You may go home, like, if you've been doing drugs, I'm throwing away the drugs. It's like what they did in the book of Acts. They took all their books, all their magical things and sorcery things. They put them on a big pile and burned them. People walked away. From their sinful lifestyle. Maybe you're living with somebody you're not married. Living with a boyfriend girlfriend. It's like I'm not doing this anymore. This is not right in the sight of God. Or, or whatever sin that you're caught up in. Slandering people on social media. There you go. Hello. Hello. Forgive. Make public amends. But I mean real repentance eventually bears the fruit of life change. Something changes about our life. When we've really repented. And when John the Baptist uh, came, and like I said, he preached the hard message, like you were saying, he was dressed yes. in camel's hair, and Bad v- very peculiar, unconventional. God uses unconventional people, does he not? <laughs> you
0: know. and yes, he... thank you, Jesus. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you feel like, yeah, here we are. Yay.
1: But yeah, Jesus called him the greatest Man born among women. That's right. And then he anointed him specifically with this message. I think we need to remember this. God specifically gave John this message. And it was not an easy message for people to hear. Right. Because he kept warning them about the punishment and the wrath of God to come if your hearts were unrepentant. If you couldn't open up your heart and see your need. For a savior. See how separated you were from God and what your eternal end will be. That's right. In the love of God, he's doing it. He's saying, you know, be saved. God wishes that all men come to repentance, it says, so that they don't perish and end up in everlasting uh, condemnation. And so his message, he's look at Luke 3 8, this will be on your PowerPoint.
0: It's in your Bibles. Keep turning those pages. This is part
1: of his message. Bear fruits. Because John the Baptist said that the Pharisees who came out, yeah. he called them a brood of vipers. Who, you brood of vipers, who told you to come out, you know, to like for the forgiveness of sin? Then he said this bear fruits yes. that are deserving and consistent with your repentance. That is conduct that's worthy of a changed, a heart change, the heart abhorring sin. And that's don't it. begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God's able from these stones to raise up descendants for Abraham. See, the Jewish people relied on their lineage. Well, we had Abraham, and I'm in the family, therefore. And so if I'm part of Abraham's family, then I'm in God's favor, and everything's cool. But he was telling him, your lineage is not going to save you. That there's a Messiah coming that you'll need to open up your heart to, recognize your sin, and receive salvation. I mean, so today, you know, you could be liking it to the same kind of thinking. Well, hey, you know, my parents took me to church. I went to church all my life. Or I was water baptized as an infant. Doesn't yeah. that count for something? Or I said a prayer a long time ago. I remember that day when I said that prayer. <laughs> or I own a Bible. Look, I have a Bible <laughs> yeah. with me You know, believing in God is not like some one-time event. Come on now. Well, I did believe. We'll see, when was that? <laughs> It's not a one-time event that happens in your life when you say a prayer. Believing is a verb. Come on. It goes on. As we fellowship, we, just, we enter into the life of Christ, and then it's like this song we sang, I'm a pilgrim on a narrow way now. There you go. Now I'm walking out a narrow path with Jesus. And his expectation is as I partake of his grace and his love and his mercy, my life will show the fruit of that. That's right. Slowly but surely, fruit will grow if I'm attached to the vine. Come on now. Right? If I'm engrafted into the true vine, then I'm a branch. I should be showing some fruit along the way. And so God is looking for fruit. And that's what John the Baptist's message was saying. Uh, he's looking for fruit. It's not enough to just say, hey, I, I know Jesus. And I go to a church. and I, I, But sitting in a church building once a week does not really make you a follower of Christ. Right? Amen? Amen. Not if you're not, if you go home and you don't really apply anything during the week of what you hear. Because the biggest part of John the Baptist's message and even what Jesus preached was have you made a decision to lay down your life? There you go. Have you made a decision to leave your old life behind? Leave your own will behind. That's right, there. What your own hopes and desires and personal dreams were for your life and trust your life. And your future and your eternity, put it into the hands of of Jesus, of God. Praise God.
0: It's a good way to go.
1: (laughs) If you say you've repented, and you say, I I gave my life to Christ, then God is wanting fruit in our life, right? And that's what John was telling the people.
0: That's true. Because he
1: said, there's a consequence if we don't do this. this Pick it up
0: in verse 9. This is, this is a reflection of what is going to happen to folks that don't yield themselves to Christ, don't, don't repent and take Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then, like Jesus says, learn of me. That means reading your Bible and applying what you read. Read your Bible. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't been reading your Bible, start in 1 John and just read through it and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart. Because this, Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. So the more you're in here, the more you're going to start to think the way He thinks, the more you're going to start to act like a child of God, you're a child of the light, not darkness. Mm -hmm. And that, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb in this world, amen? And that's what it should be. Because we're talking about water baptism, about making a public declaration. I follow Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what, well, I don't want to jump ahead.
1: (laughs) Verse 9. I get excited about water (laughs)
0: baptism. It's one of my favorite ordinances of the church. It's exciting. Verse 9. John the Baptist is speaking. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, so that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. And the multitudes ask him, then what should we do? And he replied to them, he who has two tunics, undergarments, let him share with those who have none. He who has food, let him do the same way. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Exact and collect no more than the fixed amount appointed to you. And those serving as soldiers also asked him, And we? What shall we do? And he replied to them, Never demand or Enforced by terrifying people or accusing wrongfully, and always be satisfied satisfied with your rations, your supplies, and your allowances and the wages. John's message actually penetrated the hearts of really unsuspecting people. I mean the, the, the poor, like Pastor Mamie says, here comes the Pharisees. John says, What? You brood of vipers. And now the normal everyday person comes. Here it is. What the, the, the dishonest people, tax collectors who were hated, prostitutes were coming, soldiers were coming. The, the people who loved money because this is what the tax collectors did. The Jewish people hated them. But they all became very rich because of their love for money. And John is saying, you know what? You need to bear fruit of your repentance. And then these people actually, just like what happened to us, if you've been converted to Christ, you were painfully aware of your lostness. You were painfully aware of your really total depravity. And you just had nothing to offer. Just like that song said, Come as you are. We have nothing to offer. It's the amazing love. People became aware of their spiritual condition. They were needy. They they were very needy. They needed a savior because their life was a wreck. And they had no way out. No way out. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, the man with a noose around his neck, about to die, And gets freely pardoned, that man is grateful for the message of salvation. The truth is that we have to take a look at ourselves and then look at the cross because the cross is our only hope. It's the blood of Jesus, it's the only way your sins are completely washed away. We have to really take a good look at our own souls. And not be afraid, not try to hide, really bear ourselves out. Don't just keep thinking, I'm okay. No, no. (laughs) We're not okay. Listen, we're not sinners saved by grace. We're children of righteousness. And when we start to act like the world, that's sin. And we need to be forgiven. Well, we, we were
1: sinners saved We by grace. were sinners saved
0: by grace. <laughs> yeah. And John the Baptist says, hey, the ax is laid at the tree. He's warning. You know what? I'm, I'm telling you, no matter what your lifestyle was or is, God's love and mercy is being poured out to you, being offered to you today.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's that Charles Spurgeon quote when you think about it. The man with a noose around his neck knowing I'm gonna I'm die, I'm destined. And he's likening it to being destined to eternal death. Yes. And then someone comes by and says, you're, take the noose off, you're completely pardoned, go free. When you realize what was at stake, you're grateful right? You're like, oh, thank you for that salvation. Yes. So becoming aware and desperate really about your neediness and sinfulness is actually a gift. Can Amen. you see it as a gift? I look out at the world, I mean, we pray about this a lot during our prayer meetings. The church needs a real awakening to its neediness. Mm-hmm. We have way too much lukewarmness we have way too much, I'm okay. And we have a whole lot of the world, the spirit of the Antichrist out there, bombarding the minds of everybody that all the boundaries are broken down about morality, gender, There's, you could just go on and on yep. about the things that are getting pushed against us. And believers, people that are going to say, I believe in the word, I believe in a standard. Yes. I believe that there's a word sin and there's a consequence to it. It's sounding more and more foreign, is it not? The word sin, I mean, people just look at you like, do you really believe that things are sinful? Because everything is becoming acceptable. Yep. And we have a desperate need in the church to awaken. The church is supposed to be the standard. Right. The displayer of light and truth, but if the church is all wishy-washy and all mixed up and doesn't feel any conviction about sin, what's going to happen? I think we're seeing some of the effects of that out there now in our culture. Yes, the church has been too silent. The church hasn't known what who she is.
0: That's right. There you go. Who we've
1: been made to be, and we're Mm -hmm. timid. We need to have greater boldness to be to know. I mean, the truth is people don't get saved by just realizing if the gospel is just about you're amazing, and, and we say God has a purpose for your life, and come to Jesus, and you'll get a, all these blessings will just come to your life. I mean, there's this kind of an Americanized gospel, yes. if you will, but people don't really get genuinely saved by believing I'm just so awesome, I'm going to come to Jesus, he's going to be my life coach, and he's going to teach me how to have, be a better me kind of thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does this make sense to you? I mean, he does have blessings for our life. Amen. The Bible's filled with the blessings for a child of God. But he also has a call on our life for transformation about him. That's, that's, that comes by picking up our cross. That's said, right. If anybody wants to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross. Deny yourself. In other yourself. words, deny yourself. That's right. And die to yourself. And that's a that's a hard message.
0: It's a message Think about of the it.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, a person doesn't get saved by realizing how amazing they are. Really, the truth is, if conviction comes, you realize <laughs> how lost you are. Like, oh, I see myself. Right. And it's not pretty. It can be ugly. Right. And then you see how amazing God's grace is. It's like, oh, like the noose. I'll take the noose off.
0: Oh, you deserve
1: that, but I'll take that off and let you go free.
0: Hallelujah.
1: To save, you know, like the song, to save a wretch like me. To save a wretch like me. I mean, me. think about it. Why did we need the cross? Why was the cross necessary? The fact that it took the Son of God, his blood, to be shed on a sacrifice on a cross, brutal death, yes. tells us how utterly... Really, we use the word wretched and sinful. We were in our great need. Yes, that's, that's a big part of what that cross should tell us. We often look at the cross and we'll say, well, look, his arms are stretched out. It's telling me how much he loves me. And that's true. He did it for us in love. But the co-equal side yes. is why did he have to do it? The meaning of the depth of the punishment that he took was because of our deep sin condition. The depravity of it. We were lost and dead in our sin. So it took the blood of the Son oh, of God to Lord. cleanse us. And then by His grace, He said, I, this is part of the baptism. If you will die to yourself, I will raise you up and you'll live in newness of life. Hallelujah. That's where we find God's plan and purpose for our life. Come on. Sometimes we want God's purpose for our life. We just kind of add Him to our life. I want a little bit of information about how I can add Jesus to my life and walk out my purpose, but we have to die to ourselves mm-hmm. and then discover what his purpose was for us from the foundation of the world. And so, without his willingness to do that for us, you and I, this was oh. the message of John the Baptist. He kept saying, Eternal punishment, the wrath of God is coming. You want to get your heart right with God. Yes. And it's, that really is the same message that's going out today. That is the same message.
0: That's the message that should be preached the the church should be preaching. You know, you know, some people mistook John as the long awaited Messiah. And if we pick it up in verse fifteen, he answers that. They say, expecting the Messiah, everyone reasoned and questioned in their hearts concerning John whether perhaps might he might be the Christ. And John answered them all by saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, whose strap of a sandal I am not fit to unfasten. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now next week we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But here's John. Again, he's warning. It's just falling on a lot of deaf ears. It's the same message. This is the same wrath of God that's going to be coming. He says, his winnowing shovel fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear and cleanse his threshing floor and to gather the wheat and store it in his granary, but the chaff he will burn up with fire that cannot be extinguished.
1: Now I love this next line.
0: So with many other various appeals and admonitions, he preached the good news, the gospel to the people. That was con- why, yeah, why is it good news? That was considered good news. Why is it good news? Because the results, if you stay the same, are horrible. And the, he's, the greater, he's taking the outer husk off as he pulls. Just think, how many times do you think, God, it, it, I'm talking to Christians now. How many times do you feel that? God is sifting. God is sifting me. Oh, he's sifting me. He's just getting that harder outer shell off you got to ask him what he's doing during your troubled times. What are you doing, Lord? I want to cooperate so I can get through it faster. (laughs) Because just like the children of Israel, if we don't learn the lesson, you're going around the mountain again. We don't want that, huh? But when God is finished, it just is going to be grain. That's us. You know, there's a real danger back then and even today. Uh, People aren't moved to repent. Just like Pastor Mamie says. You know, they deflect the conviction of God off of themselves. It's easy to do. And every single one of us has done it. Becoming logical. (laughs) Well, you know, God is putting his finger on the world. And he's calling us to repent.
1: And he needs our prayers. Our prayer meetings are so important. Yes. They're so important because God needs our prayers to pray for people's hearts to be open. Otherwise, people will have no conviction. And without conviction, you're just lost and going your own
0: way. And here's the thing. The conviction is what? It's not your standard. It's not my standard. It's God's standard. That's, the, that's what we'll be judged on. His standard. Right. His standard is pure, holy, and righteous. Right. And not a single person could qualify for that. That's why we need a Savior, Jesus Amen. Christ.
1: And when you just look out at the world, you realize how far it's drifting and going away from any sense of that need right if anything laws are just getting passed every day to reinforce my choice my own way my own opinion this is what I want this is my truth mm. and think about the heart of the father he sent his son he said I he in Timothy if it's either first or second I can't remember which one but it does it says there that he he desires that none perish right but all would find and come to repentance. So what's the heart of God? I, he hates to see the people die in their yes. sin. And so he needs the church to pray. We are his hands and feet. We are his heart. We are his eyes in the earth. If we just sit there and go, mm, I don't have time. I don't really care. This is the part where I believe the John the Baptist message. We will have to answer in front of the Lord Jesus Christ for what we did with our time. That's right. What we did with our gifting. Did we pray? Did we care to pray? This is, these are important things for the church to wake up to because if we don't, we're just slumbering. Uh, we've, we've talked to some, heard of some testimony of missionaries over in Iran and in the Middle East. And when they come to America, they have said I feel that compared to the revival, the underground revival that's going on there, people giving their lives, they get up in the morning saying, I'm not sure if I will see you tonight. You know, pray that, but we know we're doing the will of God. And they yep. go out not knowing if they're going to make it back alive. And they said they come to America for whatever reason, for a brief time, and said, I feel like this nation is under a, a satanic stupor, like it's just a slumber, like people yep. are asleep. And this is why we need to pray. This is why coming to the prayer meetings isn't really, should not be an option for any of us.
0: I agree there. Yeah. Yep.
1: Because he, you know, we're two or three or together. There he, there he is in our midst. That's right. And he could do, he did a lot with 120 in the book of Acts, right, in that upper room. So we can't, even, we, can't we tell ourselves, well, even if there's 10, 12, 15 people here, powerful. we are shaking, making spiritual warfare happen in the heavenlies and bringing the will of God into the earth. And so I just, we, we cast that vision for our prayer meetings. Come, because you'll learn how to pray. And you'll even learn, I believe we're praying the heart of God for the yes. time that we live in. And so any, you're all welcome to come. We're not going to make you pray. You can just sit and listen. Just sit under the anointing and you will learn how to pray. Yes. But so let's, shall we go on? So we, I guess, 1127, we're going to run out of time. <laughs> let's throw
0: that time clock away.
1: <laughs> let's go on to how we make public con- profession. Yeah, that'd be of- good of this because this, this is This is powerful. There were you know, in the book of Acts particularly you see several examples of the public declaration of people's faith by by water baptism. I mean Jesus himself was water baptized mm-hmm. by John the Baptist. He said just to fulfill all righteousness. He That's didn't right. need any cleansing from sin, but I believe he did it as a model That's to correct. show the pathway that we are to follow. And then Peter on the day of Pentecost, he gets up after he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches that fiery sermon and uh, you puts know, it, it
0: right in their face, yeah, to you the killed the Holy One. It it's, pricked their heart. Yeah,
1: it did, and they, they just like it did with John the Baptist, and that's when they said, "Well, what should we do?" And he tells them that Acts two thirty eight: Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then look at verse 41, then those who gladly received his word. See, this was like, yes, we found life. We found, you know, eternal salvation. The noose is
0: off of my neck.
1: (laughs) Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I mean, talk about a lake experience, huh? Yeah. I mean, but you see Philip baptizing people after he preached salvation to people in Samaria, the Philippian jailer. You know, was baptized with water. Every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. Yes. Full immersion in water. And it was really the norm for every believer. It's really, the best thing is to do is to have it done as soon as possible after you profess your your salvation in Christ. Uh, But look at, uh, we don't have this up on the screen, but just listen to how this is written in Colossians 2, verses 12 to 14. This This is is from the message paraphrase. It says it so simply, but so... So well, it says, going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. Mm -hmm. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, and that old arrest warrant. (laughs)
0: Or that old noose
1: around the neck, if you will. Canceled and nailed to Christ's cross.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Romans 6, 4 says this, We were therefore buried with him Uh through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So water baptism is this public profession of I am buried under the water to my old life. And when I rise up, I, by the grace of God, this is not in our own strength. We are trusting in the grace and power of God right. to live the life he's called That's us right. to. You know, I saw this um, example. We'll close with this. Mm-hmm. That baptism is like a wedding ring. It's an outward sign. You know, when you wear a wedding ring, you get married. An outward sign of a commitment that you've made in your heart to the person that you've married. It's a covenant vow. So baptism is like a symbol of a wedding ring. I mean, sure, you can be married and just like not wear a ring and still know, well, I'm still married. But that ring is an outward declaration and a symbol that I'm one with you now. Like we've made this covenant ceremony and and, uh, gave each other our lives, so to speak. You're right, right? That's for sure. And I think wearing a wedding ring, personally, I think wearing a wedding ring is an important symbol to tell the world of my commitment
0: yes.
1: and oneness. I remember when my ring needed to be sized, my wedding band, after we got married, and I had to take it to the jeweler and leave it there. It was like, oh, I don't have a ring to wear. And your mom gave me one of her, mm-hmm. her an old wedding band to wear. But I just believe it's important. It's in a very important symbol. Yes. And some people would argue, well, that's just a symbol. What does it really matter? But... It's a sacred vow. That's and right. it's a wonderful reminder of that vow. Do we not need that reminder? Come on. Considering all the adultery and immorality in the world, I think we do. And it's Scripture says it's a mystery. That's right. Of the picture of Christ in, the, in, the, in his body, that we're one in the same way. We're in a covenant of oneness with him. That when we give our life to Christ, you know, he identifies with me, I identify with him, we become one. Hallelujah. So if I'm married and, I, you, and you love your spouse, you know, you want the world to know it. It's like, hey, I'm married to him I'm, or I'm married to her.
0: In I'm the, married to her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, but in the same way, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior to save you from sin and he's the joy of, and the Lord of your life, then you want to tell the world about it. Come you on. want to make it public. It's like, I am letting you know who, who I follow so public baptism is, just, is a statement to everybody who sees it. Right. It's public that I've trusted Christ for my salvation and I'm committed to living for him. So it's, it's kind of like this, you know, we wear this all of our life if you're married, but the water baptism is going public that, that day to say the same thing. That's right. And so if you've, let's end here, if you haven't been baptized, you've been thinking about it, don't put it off. Now's the time. It's not really an option. Jesus said in uh, the Great Commission, that when all the world make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is not really an option. But yes, here's an opportunity.
0: Yeah, the key here is, have you been convicted? If you're not a Christian, have you been convicted? If you've, all your life has said, well, I'm okay. Uh, Pastor Mamie describes some people that uh, uh, my parents took me to church. I went through catechism. I, I, I was baptized. this as a baby. Uh, none of that saves you. What saves you is where you are convicted of your sin, you recognize that you've sinned against God and you're a sinner. and there's no hope for you except through Jesus Christ. It's the only way to heaven. There are no other ways to heaven. It's a narrow road that we walk. But it's a good road. It's a good road. It's the best road. It's really the only road. It is the only road. But the key here is, are you saved? Have you really honestly lived your life for Christ? Judge yourself here because the Holy Ghost will help you receive a conviction from him. And then here's the key. The way to get that noose off your neck is through Jesus Christ. You submitting to Him, giving your life to Him, confessing that you need Him. If you're here today and that's you, I want you to raise your hand high enough so I can see it and then we're going to say a prayer. The whole congregation will say a prayer. And you watch it online. This is really a serious time because the ax is laid at the root. Without Jesus Christ, your future... Is unquenchable fire, and it's for real. Anyone today? Very good.
1: So maybe there's an opportunity here. One more thing, is just to uh, a rededication, yes, of your life. If you feel like, no, I've given my life to Christ, but you look at your life and you think, am I bearing fruit? of my connection with the vine. I think we could all talk to the Lord for a moment about that. Say help me, Lord. There were several things that were mentioned in this in this message. We don't want to be forgetful hearers because it's the doers of the word. Scripture says who are who were the blessed ones. And so Father, I pray you you show us, Lord, show every individual person things that you've you're talking to them about Holy Spirit, things in our life that are leading us down a wrong path, even if we've given our life to Christ. You have so much more for us. You have so much to teach us about who we are. So much love and goodness Mm. to partake of from you. And so, Father, I pray that our hearts are open. I pray hearts in here are open and receptive to hear your direction, Holy Spirit. Take those steps of faith to walk with you, walk away from some things. Trust Jesus to give you the power to do it. If he's leading you there, his grace will keep you there. His grace will help you there. And so we just thank you, Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your great plan of redemption. We thank you, Jesus, for coming, dying on the cross for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside of us to be our teacher and guide. Guide us, build us, show us, help us to become prayers, Lord. Help us to do your will lord that we could bear much fruit which brings you glory yes and we just we thank you father for this time together in jesus name in
0: jesus amen amen well thank you all for joining us today um